Wondering what's next in your business or personal life? Welcome to Success to Significance, Life After Breaking Through Glass Ceilings, a podcast dedicated to helping you with all of life's challenges, discoveries, and opportunities. Whether you're seeking a new career, retirement, or simply wanting to make an impact in your community or the world, join Jen Duplessis and her guests as they explore how to start, what to do when you're in the thick of a change or growth, and how to leave a mark in this world after breaking through your next achievement. You are moments away from the aha you've been seeking. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to this episode. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis, and I am so delighted today to have Barry Griffiths with us today. And Barry, so welcome to the show. I'm going to explain a little bit about you in a minute, but welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. Not as excited as I am, Jen. Thank you so much for, for having me on the show. This is going to be fun. It's like we were saying, it's going to be a great start to the day here in Vegas for me. So I'm very excited. Yeah, so. yeah, I know. And on a Saturday when we're recording this, right? <laughs> well, you know, the days are kind of running together as, you know, we were just talking about in the green room. It's it's amazing. But, you know, I'm delighted to have you here today. Um, I've been a guest on your podcast and I want to thank you for that as well. So we'll be talking about that too. But let me just go ahead and take this opportunity to introduce you and then we will dive right in into this. So Barry is the host of the YouTube channel Wrestling with Real Estate and the WWRE podcast, which is Wrestling with Real Estate as well, where he interviews people from all um, aspects of the real estate industry. Um, His goal is to educate as many people as he can on, you know, the amazing benefits of real estate. But here's what's fun. For the past decade, he's been working in the entertainment industry. He previously starred in the UK's version of US Gladiators. He then went on to wrestle on TV with WWE as Mason Ryan, where he wrestled with the likes of John Cena, right? Cena? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, we have a friend. We have one of my son's friends looks like him and acts like him. It's pretty hilarious. Big football player. Yeah. Performed on pay-per-views and regularly appeared on Monday Night Raw, which must stand for something. What does Raw stand for? Oh, Monday Night Raw is uh, one of the TV shows. It's the like flagship show. It's on every Monday night. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know. I kind of see it, but I wonder if it stands for something A, wrestling. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what it, oh, I, I don't know. I think that it means that wrestling is raw. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Great yeah. Question. Never thought of that before. Great question. Yeah, yeah, because there's a W in it. Yeah. So and he is currently performing in Cirque du Soleil and MGM Grand. So which Cirque du Soleil are you performing in? Which one is it's it? It's called Ka K A. So it's an Okay, Ka. Yeah, okay, it's an good. Team show and there's a lot of like mixed martial arts. So that's where I come in. I don't, <laughs> for anyone listening who thinks, oh, this guy must be really acrobatic. No, not at all. I've, I don't do any acrobatics. <laughs> You're sort of before. the director. You come on stage and go, what's going on and what's going on? And yeah, yeah. And I, do, I do some choreographed fight scenes as well. I'm sure. Yeah. So oh, nice. Yeah. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So yeah, let's kind of explore all that because, you know, I love Cirque du Soleil. I was just at Bellagio, as you, you know, mentioned in December, we went there for a mastermind and Cirque du Soleil was shut down. And I said, when's it going to come back? And they said, won't be for a while because it's the H2O, right? It's the water version. So they just can't have people swimming together, I guess. But it was disappointing because I had been to that Cirque du Soleil a couple of times. I keep going to it because I love it so much, but I didn't realize there was one in the MGM at all. Yeah. There's five shows in Vegas, five or six. I always keep lose count, but yeah, there's, yeah. there's a bunch of different Cirque du Soleil because everyone here have heard of Cirque du Soleil for the most part. And they assume it's the same show, but they're all, every single show is different. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and they're just, I mean, they're just absolutely amazing. And, you know, the acrobats and just the talent is amazing. So tell us, we'll talk about that for a second. Then we'll go back and talk a little bit about your past and everything. But so how is it in Vegas right now with you not performing? Are you all still practicing? Are you still, you know, rehearsing? We should be the better word. (laughs) Are you all still rehearsing or what's happening with that to make sure everybody's sharp? Yeah, yeah. No, we haven't done anything because it's a tricky thing because for one, we don't know when everyone is coming back. Obviously, we still do some training and still maintain the level of fitness and whatnot. But March 9th was the last show that we did. And since then, we've really not interacted or done anything together because obviously I think as well there's a lot that goes into it right and there's like you have to worry about the COVID and people getting sick and all this kind of stuff and when will we come back it's going to be still a while we're recording this in in the start of oh, mid end of January now sorry <laughs> yeah it's crazy but, yeah yeah it's hard to believe but it's going to be six months before the first show of Cirque du Soleil comes back. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what someone said to me when I was there, just saying, you know, that probably a lot of hotels aren't going to really go full blown or do anything until June. <laughs> Some are even like the Palms is completely shut down. I couldn't believe that. Yeah. I, and the problem I, is as well, is that a lot of these places are only allowed to open at 25% capacity. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and our show, for example, we need a 30, 35, 40%, depending on the type of people that come in and tickets they buy to break even because it's such a big show. We have such a big Yeah, yeah a number of people in the show kind of takes yeah. up the audience, right? Yeah, well, yeah. Takes up the, of the allowed audience attendance. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Well, I think it's just wonderful that you're part of such a great organization. But so tell us about you. So, you you know, go back to, you know, when you were in high school or whatever you want to go back to, you know, and how'd you get yourself into wrestling? Is that, you know, did you grow grow up saying hey, I'm going to be a wrestler or just kind of drop into it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little crazy to, to think from where I came from. Here in the US, obviously wrestling is a big thing. It's like, oh, cool, you're a wrestler. Oh, I want to be a wrestler. Okay, cool, you can do that. Right? Where I grew up, I grew up in a tiny little town. It's like 200 people, kind of in the middle of nowhere a little bit, yeah. right? 200 people. Like People say a small town here and it's like 20,000 people, you know? <laughs> right. 200. 200 people, there was no stoplights, there was a fish and chip shop, there was a grocery store, there was a post office, there was my dad's business, which was like a construction slash slash undertaking business. Oh my um, gosh, construction. Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah. he just built, he built caskets. That's how it started. So my great grandfather started the business making wheels for the horse and carriages. Mm. That's how the business started. Like, I think close to 100 years ago by this point. So they made the wheels for the horse and carriage. But because they were woodworkers, it made sense as well that they made the coffins, right? Because they were made out of wood back then. This Mm -hmm. was, you know, 19, 1920, right? Right. It's a lot different then. So because they made the, because they were woodworkers as well, it made sense that they made the coffins. And because they made the coffins, it made sense that they were the undertakers, so they were the undertakers and, you know, my, my granddad then was the undertaker. My dad was the undertaker. And I worked in the undertaking business for a few years as well. Yeah. Before kind of coming over here, you know, there's a, I always joke when people make the joke that there's a wrestler called the undertaker. Well, I, I was actually a the undertaker. undertaker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I did that. I worked for my dad's business, you know, grew up in this small town. And I, my goal was to be a, a soccer player, believe it or not, growing up. I was soccer mad, but that never came to fruition. I, just, I guess I just wasn't quite good enough. And was just training, loved training, going to the gym, working out, eating healthy. Just loved that lifestyle, just was living it, you know. And I was really dedicated to it without any kind of goal. I just enjoyed it. And after a while, I created quite a physique for myself. I'm like, a, you know, quite a good look. And I was getting attention a lot of places I, I went. And I was like, 
what can I do with this, right? I've created something. Yeah. I'm working hard for something. I'm training like a pro to some extent, right? I was in I was in the gym on a Saturday night when everyone else is down the pub. You know what I mean? Right, so I was like, right, oh, right. So you're already mind. there. You had the mindset. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I have to do something with it. So I just flicked on TV one day and wrestling came on. And I wasn't a wrestling fan growing up, to be honest. It just wasn't on TV. Where We had four TV channels. That's another thing, right? So I tell 200 people and four TV channels. Can you imagine the boredom as a kid? That was, it was <laughs> but there wasn't much going on. There wasn't much TV. Like, so wrestling wasn't on. So, but I saw these guys on TV and they kind of looked like me. And I was, you know, I had been playing sports my whole life. So it was fairly athletic. So I was like, I think I can do that. And just through luck and... You know, the law of attraction and being open and all that stuff, right? Two weeks later, a wrestling show came to my town. Or two months later, sorry, a wrestling show came to my town. And I went to that show with the purpose of trying to meet the promoter, not having any idea what could come of it, not having anything, but being open and kind of having that idea of what I wanted to do. Went there, met the promoter, hit it off with him straight away. He was a longstanding wrestling promoter in Wales, like been doing over 50 years. And we just connected and he kind of set me off on a trajectory. He became a mentor, a massive mentor for me. Like, you know, I wouldn't be here today without that man. He was an amazing, amazing man. And he just set me off on that trajectory, you know. But it, it's just so interesting to see how many other wrestling shows came to my town years and years and years and years. Every year, maybe twice a year, you know, for years. And I never paid any attention, never went, right. never thought right. of it, right? And just like, I've been talking to so many people more about the law of attraction. And the law of attraction sometimes can sound woo-woo-ish, right? I was right. talking right. to someone. Someone said that to me, but it's, simply just being open and wanting stuff to happen and looking for it right that's what the law of attraction means to me so yeah did that wrestled in the uk and then just through again somewhat luck somewhat being in the right place at the right time somewhat putting my, myself in there i was down in london after i filmed i was like i mentioned film the gladiators filming something else and wwe were in london and one of my friends was there and said hey why didn't you come over here and meet the people here and i went over and talked to them and they kind of signed me up there and then and Moved to Florida six months later and kind of started this crazy journey. Yeah, so it's just, there's a lot of crazy stuff that kind of happened like that. And it's somewhat luck, somewhat me putting myself in that black position, somewhat looking for it, somewhat attracting it. I don't know. It's just kind of crazy. I mean, I don't ever think it's luck. I think it's, you know, having the world, the universe be open, right? I mean, I do think it's, it is that because, you know, having the best luck is being in the right place at the right time. And you have to take the action to get there. In order yeah. to, in order to let luck, you know, really happen. So I think that's really cool. You know, you came over to the U.S. and so you're doing, you know, WWERER. I don't even know Yeah, I watch it because I know someone very, very important just passed away, mm-hmm. and you know, in that space. And it was really sad to watch that because he seemed like a really great guy. But so, anyways, you're doing all of that and. You know, what happened that you got out of it and how did you find yourself in Cirque du Soleil or was there sort of a gap in between time um, that found you into Cirque du Soleil? And then we'll talk about what you actually did. Yeah. <laughs> in addition yeah. to Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. Yeah. So I came over in 2010, went to the training school, was there for a year and then made my debut on TV, did some pay-per-views, traveled the world, Monday Night Raw, you know, John Cena, all this, did a lot of cool stuff, right? And then in 2014, they didn't renew my contract. Didn't see it coming at all. Like blind, completely blindsided me. So now here I am, I was 33 at the time, I think. I'm a wrestler, right? That's what I identified as, right? It's just yeah. like, it was a big blow because 
for one, the dream had kind of come to an end. I think he could, maybe could have come back around, but it's unlikely at that point, you know? And so I was just like, I identified as a wrestler. That's who I was. People back home call me Barry the wrestler. That's people. Yeah, people, yeah, that's your, know, that's, that's your success, right? That's, yeah. And that's my identity. That's what yeah. I, you, you identify as something. So then that was a tough time because then I had to really, you know, figure things out, right? What am I going to do from here? You know, and kind of figure things out and trying to work things out. And through, again, I don't want to say luck because I keep saying that, but <laughs> it's okay. a great opportunity, I guess, that came away through Cirque du Soleil. And it came through WWE because Cirque du Soleil was looking for a wrestler type person to fill yeah. a role in this show. And yeah. WWE, because I had, I left with, on good terms with that, less for everyone. Don't burn yeah. ever, no point in ever burning any bridges. It doesn't right, matter how right. you feel, right? So I left there on great terms with them and they called me up. It was maybe six months, nine months later and said, hey, we've got a job opportunity for you. I was thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to get my job back with WWE. Yeah, but yeah, you were more excited. Yeah. I, better, I better work out, I better go pump up so yeah, I don't yeah. go when I go see him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, that, but instead they said Cirque du Soleil is looking for a while. And I didn't really know too much about Cirque du Soleil at the time. I knew they put on great spectacle shows, but I didn't understand what it right, really What it really was, was. yeah. Again, talking about timing and things like that, I was over in the UK when they were supposed to do the initial audition for the show. And I said, hey, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I'm going to be in the UK doing the auditions. And I think, I don't think they moved it for me, but they did move it. And I think that was just luck. They moved yeah. it maybe a month forward and I could make it. I had to cut some, still had to cut some dates, but I left, came home early, flew to Tampa, grabbed my stuff. Literally, I think the next morning flew to Vegas and did the audition. And the funny story was there was three other wrestlers there doing it. I knew the three other guys. So I turned up for the audition and I'm standing waiting for them to come get me. And I'm out in, in the MGM casino. And I see one of my friends and he's walking around and he looked like a little bit like a headless chicken trying to find something. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, hey, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, hey, how are you doing? He starts talking. I'm like, and then we're like, so like, what are you doing here? I'm just here for this thing. Why are you here? I'm just here for this thing. Wait a minute. Are you here for the... Are you here for the? And then, another, and then as we were saying that, one of the other friends walked in and was like, hey. And then we all clicked like, oh, we're all here for the same thing. So it was oh really fun. A really fun audition though. Like usually auditions can be tense and nerve wracking, but it was really fun because we just joked around with each other. And obviously we did that thing. And, you know, I left thinking, okay, if I get this gig, it would be great. But if not, I give it a good shot. And, you know, at least I had right. fun. And then well, yeah. And, and so I have a question about that. I mean, did you feel com- competition? Because, you know, you come from a competitive background and, you know, I mean, my way of doing things like that, if I see someone like, what are you doing here? Oh my gosh, they're going to be here too. And now I start second guessing me and I start thinking, you know, how do I be better than them? I, you know, and start twisting myself all up in knots and stuff. Wow. So do you, did you do that? I mean, it sounds like you didn't, like you just had fun. No, it wasn't too bad. I don't think any of us did. We all wanted the role. Yeah. We, and I don't think any of us fully understood what it was, even at that time, even though we watched the show, like, so we met and then we watched that show that night. And then the next day we kind of did more of the audition. Right. So we didn't fully understand, I don't think what it was to work for the show and all this stuff, but also there, obviously there was competition, right? They, right. We were doing some physical competition stuff. Like they were testing agility and of course there's competition. It's, you know, athletes competing against it, but it wasn't too bad. It was, I remember feeling relaxed. I wanted the gig. So I was nervous and I wanted that. But it, it wasn't it probably made you better, don't you think? I mean, because, you know, you get a little loose because, you know, you're with some friends and, you know, and then it's just not you sitting there getting all tense. So probably for you, it made you shine. Even yeah, probably, maybe. Yeah, it was fun. It was That's really cool. fun audition. So that was cool. And then they called me up two weeks later and I got the gig. And I don't know, maybe it was 
two months later, packed all my stuff from Tampa. Like literally I sold everything and put some stuff in storage and just literally had one suitcase and flew to Vegas, (laughs) which was an adventure. Because it reminded me, it brought me back to when, when I moved over in 2010, I just had two, you know, I didn't know a single person over here in, in the US. Two bags, two suitcases, and some money in my pocket, and that was about it, you know, and just kind of remind me that of Vegas. And now I had my wife coming to Vegas with me, so it was a little different, but it was yeah. just kind of remind me of that. I was just starting all over again, you know, in some ways, right? In some ways. Yeah. It was cool and it was exciting, same as the first time around. Oh, that's awesome. So, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you on stage at some point, <laughs> right? Soon. Yeah, yeah Soon of enough. Um, You know, and I have a speaking uh, gig in Vegas in, I think, August is when they rescheduled it at the end of August. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that you guys will be live and open and I can get, you oh, know, get a ticket too. and come see you. Yeah, I think it'll be really good. Um, we so, missed the phone, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I can't. I can't wait. So let's talk about real estate. So how did this all fit into this? I mean, did <laughs> was it part of the Great Recession that you said, hey, this is kind of cool and you were already doing it before you came to Vegas? You know, tell us about, you know, how you transitioned into what you're doing now in real estate. I wish. I wish that was a story. I would be, <laughs> I would probably be a multi, multi, multi-millionaire if that was the case, right? But no, I moved over in 2010, so I kind of missed those deals. And even in 2010, I could have bought some great deals in Florida, but I wasn't looking at real estate at the time. I have any kind of investment. I've always been somewhat financially savvy just in terms of saving. I don't like, never really like spending crazy amounts of money. Yeah, yeah. I, I spend it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not cheap. <laughs> I've always kind of looked after my money a little bit and that yeah. kind of helped me with, with WWE because I always saved my money and I was always trying to be smart of it. Yeah. Know, I bought a few stupid things, but nothing, you know, a few 200 we all do. You have to learn yeah. from it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was always, you know, saving money and trying to, you know, cut costs and stuff like that. So I had that, but I wasn't paying attention to any kind of investments whatsoever, any kind of investments whatsoever. The only investment I'd done before that was I had some money sitting in the bank with Chase and they called me in and they said, hey, we have uh, investor advisors if you want to invest with us. I think I invested 60000 and then in six months' time, they went up to 63000 yeah. or something like that. Right. You know, but I was like, oh, wow, there's all this, this is cool. Yeah. But what happened was, so I mentioned in 2014, they didn't. it was in April of 2014 that WWE didn't renew my contract. Well, in January of 2014, I bought a very expensive house. So it was an expensive first house for me. It was a four. Right, because you know you're you're rising. You got everything. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. I'm going to be the world heavyweight champion. I tell this story all the time. So sorry if anyone's heard it before. But the plan A was to be the world heavyweight champion. The plan B was to be the world heavyweight champion. And my plan C was to be the world heavyweight. Right. Champion. I remember when we were talking the first time you had said that. Right. It's like there was yeah. no other plan. That yeah, there's nothing else in that I was thinking about. Yeah, because yeah, and you have to have that focus, right? But I think you yeah. can you can do other things, right? It doesn't mean that you need to be swinging hammers and doing flips a weekend, but you can invest passively in other people's deals and still have that investment, right? The, you know, and have your money growing and working for you rather than sitting in the bank or spending it. But I bought this house as pure emotion. I loved the house, loved where it was, loved the like the color of the walls, loved the layout, you know, loved the kitchen, like so many stuff that doesn't add value to the home, right? It's not an investment, right? It's just an emotional buy. So I right. bought it for 435000 in January and my mortgage was twenty five fifty, dollars And it was fine. I'd, I could afford that. I was making six figures at the time. It wasn't an issue. And I, you know, I was just wasn't thinking about, hey, an investment, how much does this rent for or anything like that? And so in April of that year, when they didn't renew my contract, well, all of a sudden that, that was a, an extra weight on my shoulder because now, like I mentioned, I was a wrestler, identified a wrestler, didn't have 
really too many other skills, right? That I could right. go with something else, right? It's not <laughs> wrestling isn't transferable to too much right. stuff at all, right? You want to work for a Guido, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah, 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 debt collector or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I had this, you know, and a lot of those jobs, even stuff that you can do, maybe bouncing or whatever, isn't they're not high paying jobs, right? They're not, you know, right. It's going to be very hard to afford a twenty-five, fifty a month mortgage payment. So I had to figure out, and I, I said, as I said, I love this house; it's an emotional buy. So I couldn't bring myself to sell it because I'd lost like my dream essentially. And so now yeah. to lose this now house, to lose um, this too, yeah, yeah, it would have been just like it would have been too much for me. You know, it was just like a tough time in my life. And at least if I could keep a hold of that house. It could feel like I've achieved something and done something and I have something, you know. So I found a renter, went down the rabbit hole, finding how to find a renter, how to screen a tenant, all that stuff. And I think that started the ball rolling and I found a tenant. Unfortunately, I had to be negative cash flow about 200 bucks a month, <laughs> but I was happy to keep it. And I didn't realize. Right, right like because that. you had the, imbe- well, yeah, because you had the equity growing, you know. Right, and I, well, and I was, yeah, and I was keeping a hold of the house and I was keeping the house that I love. And, you know, I thought, okay, in four or five years when maybe I'm back on my feet, I can move back into this house as well, right? That was part of it as well. But through that, you know, I got, I think, bigger pockets, rich dad, poor dad, and just really got open to the world of real estate investing. And it was just crazy to me once that I flicked that switch and realized what is possible, what is out there, right? You don't realize really, I don't think most people, just because of the way 99.9% of us live our lives and what the way we think, you don't realize about real estate investing. You know, you know about it, but you think it's just rich people who have millions of dollars throwing money at real estate, right? That's how it works, right? When in reality, it's not the case at all. So started that and then just fell in love with, with real estate investing, just yeah, from, that's, that's from, awesome. from, from a financial standpoint and from the life that it can create for you as well. I, yeah. I really love that. So did you, how many properties did you end up buying when you were in Florida? Or did it not really start until you got to Vegas where you started saying, okay, now I'm really going to start, you know, investing more seriously? Took me getting to Vegas at the end of 2015 to to start investing. But I was looking and I was reading and I was paying attention. It was just, for one, I was Mm self-employed. So I was self-employed as an entertainer. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so about. how do you get a loan? <laughs> yeah. 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 And I didn't understand the create. Yeah. And I didn't understand yeah. the creative ways there are to get financing and all this other stuff that you could do outside of that at the time. Plus as well, I think I was so focused on trying to make my career work as a wrestler at the time, you know, I was trying to travel to Japan, traveling to the UK, you know, I was thinking about real estate investing, but it wasn't top of mind. And it wasn't until I moved to Vegas where I had a consistent job for one. So it was, yes. you know, it was a, W-2 job. So that was going to help with getting a loan. But also I had some stability, right? Where I was working five days a week. I knew my paycheck was coming in every two weeks. And right. I knew I could sort of focus on something else because this job, and I was focused on Cirque du Soleil. Don't get me wrong. Of course I was. I was working hard at that, but I had some time to focus on some other stuff. So that's when I bought my first, and I rented when I first went to Vegas. I should have bought, I wish I had bought now, but easy to look back, right? But right. I bought an investment property, which was a townhome where it was my first real That's what I was going to ask you is, yeah, what was your first one? So did you just do traditional financing? You yeah. just down and bought a place for you to live or did you buy it as an investment property? No, it was an investment property. Okay. Bought it 20% down through the MLS, yep. used a realtor, but it, it was a good property. It was 44, 173. It was a foreclosure, put about 10,000 into it and then rented out for about 1,300. So people, I don't know how savvy people are, but you always hear about the 1% rule, right? Bigger pockets is coming down. 
Right. Well, the one percent. Well, yeah, which you're talking about. Just someone doesn't know. Yeah, Bigger Pockets is a great podcast. <laughs> That's a podcast all about getting bigger pockets. That's right. What that. Yeah, but yeah. it is a great podcast, and it covers everything, not just real estate, everything. So, yeah. Yeah, and they talk about the one percent rule. For people who don't know, is that essentially you want the rent to be one percent of the purchase price. So if you're buying a house for a hundred thousand dollars, you want the monthly rent to be about a thousand. Usually, it works out that then you'll cash flow, and it's a good, it's a pretty solid deal. Well, obviously, this deal didn't meet that. But with investing in Vegas, for one, it was a townhome, so I had no landscaping to worry about. Right, that helped. Yeah. Yeah, there was a small HOA fee, but it was only $95 a month or something. So that wasn't too bad. And then in Vegas, obviously, we have no state income tax as well. So, right. you know, I cash flowed about three, $400 a month on that property. So that was a good start. I was, you know, it wasn't a home run, but it was a pretty solid deal for my first one. And then from there, I bought a house for us to live in, but it was going to be a live and flip. The idea was to... To live in it for a couple years. years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even living in, in it for a year and then rent it out because, you, you know, you get that owner occupied finance right. with that, right? You could get in. I think I put 10% down on that one, you know, and it was a $230,000 purchase. I only had put 23000 down on that property. And so then it was, I still, but on that one, I, I also did calculations. So I had to figure out, you know, how much rent is, how much I'm going to cash. So I said, like to the first one, but, uh, you know, I was going to live in it, fix it up a little bit. And just to backtrack a little bit. So as I was learning about real estate investing, I realized I needed to reverse engineer what I wanted from my life and how much money that number was, right? What was my financial freedom number? And it was a hundred thousand to me. You know, that's, that just makes right, sense. Right. And from, from all of these properties. So, yeah. 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 So I figured, and I was doing the math, you know, I think I needed 40 properties to get to that point, right? So oh, I think is that 250 a door or something like that, cash flow per door. So that's what I was thinking, 40 properties. But again, as I mentioned, I was, wasn't aware of all this creative financing. And Correct, creative yeah. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, right? I have to save 20%. I have to save 20% or I have to move every year. Both. I was thinking both. Right. Yeah. Ten year, I had a 10-year horizon. So I was yeah. going to buy three properties with 20% down, one with owner financing for the next 10 years to get to that goal of 40 properties. And I was thinking, and the average median home price in Vegas was about 250 at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, I need 50 grand to put 20% down, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how am I going to save all that? Like, three properties, like, and I realized I'm not going to get there. That's impossible. Right. I'm not making nowhere near that kind of money to get there. And I just, through networking at meeting people, I met someone and they introduced me to the idea of multifamily. Yeah. And they said, like, you know, you want to get to 40 doors, right? You want to get to 40 properties. And buy a 40 so, unit. Yeah. unit. <laughs> that exactly, that's exactly what you said. Yeah, this blew one. my mind. My yeah. mind alone was like, wow. But yeah. wait a minute, like, how do I, like 40 units was massive to me at the time. It was like buying yeah. a 400 unit now. It was like so crazy and unattainable to me at that point. And I was like, yeah, but that's for like the billionaires, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. He laughed. He was like, no, 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 no. It's just regular people like you and me. And 40 units might sound like a lot to you, but it really isn't. It's considered actually small multifamily. And I was like, wow. So it really dived into that. Like that idea really resonated with me. And I dove into podcasts, started reading about it. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like not only can you get there sooner, so you have much more scalability, right? You can get there much quicker. So instead of 10 years, maybe I can get there in two years, right? Yeah. So that blew my mind. But also, I love the way multifamily works, right? For, for one, if you have 40 units as opposed to one, if one person goes out there, yeah, you still have 39 tenants, right? If you have yeah. a single family home, one, one leaves, well, you're, you're 100%. Yeah, vacant, yeah. Right? You're, you're obligated for a couple thousand a month, depending on the right, 
Yeah. Right. And it's much harder to buy 40 single family homes, as I said, right? For one, if we take the capital out, that could be similar maybe, but you have to, you know, to buy one property, right? You have to do, you have, how many properties do you have to look at? 10, analyze 10, 20 yeah. maybe? Yeah. Make offers on 10, you know, you know, to get one and then you have to do the inspection on that one. You have to go through to get the financing on that one. You know, you have to find a property manager for that one. You, you have all these things that you have to do, right? Well, if you buy one property, you're just doing it What? Yeah, you have to do it 40 times, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. with the one property, you only have to do it once. So, you know, you're only doing, looking at 10, 20, 30 properties to find one and then, you know, you get there so much quicker. Plus, I also like, really like the, the aspect of multifamily and commercial that's valued on the income right. essentially, the income right. approach. Right. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. what they call the NOI, the net operating income. It's the income minus the expenses that gives you the net operating income and it's mm-hmm. valued on that. And you're in control of that. If you're able to increase rents, lower expenses, you're increasing the value, the value. of the property, regardless of what's going on around, right? Yeah, you the market. Yeah, exactly. You become somewhat of an island with that. And I really like that concept. So that's why I fell in love with multifamily and dived in and just kind of being really you know, It's funny you say that because I, I say this a lot when I'm coaching people too. And I, I think this resonates, you know, in this. And in, in, in fact, when you and I first spoke, I said, oh, you're playing Monopoly. You're trading in your houses and <laughs> hotels, right? But it's also, you know, the, the decision to work with a hundred pennies or four quarters, yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right? yeah. And everything that we do, it's like we can work with just a whole bunch of people superficially and, you know, in, in relationships, you know, in business as well. Or we can work with four quarters, you know, and we work with four people and we just really, really work hard with them and they become, you know, people that we can't live without. And it's the same with these types of properties. You know, it's, it is a lot of work to have a 40 houses as mm-hmm. opposed to having a couple of multifamilies. You know, yeah, for sure, so now, for sure. so when did you buy your first multifamily and did you buy it by yourself or did you have a partner? Yeah. So what happened was that, so I fell in love with real estate, started looking in Vegas and this was mm-hmm. in 2018. I think I was looking in Vegas to buy maybe end of 2018 and prices were really high. I thought at that time, now looking back, they weren't high compared to where they are now, which I would have bought like, everything, right? But besides 2020, right? It could have gone the other way. But so I started looking in other markets and ended up picking Cincinnati as a market because I like the Midwest and I like the stability. You know, as I mentioned, you know, if you control the NOI, you control the value. Well, yeah. if the market is at least steady, you know, I can do my thing and increase increase rent, lower expenses and increase the value of the property. But if I'm in Vegas and it's a boom or bust town a little bit, I yeah, think, right? yeah. it's, you know, it's very cyclical. So I didn't like the idea of, of being at the mercy of the markets or somewhat, right? I could do a great job with the property, buy it right, manage it right, you know, do all these things and increase the NOI. But if the market drops, there's nothing I can do about that whatsoever. So I want to somewhere with a lot more stability. So I, I picked Cincinnati, Ohio for a lot of reasons, right? It's, yeah, yeah, no, but, it's uh, very stable. And, you know, and I, don't you also think too, I mean, even when you're buying single family, you know, we buy single families for cash flow or for appreciation. If you can get both, that's wonderful, but you have to make the decision that you're you're going in for one or the other. And that's what's so great about that type of area, you know, my son invests a lot in Pennsylvania for that very same reason. The values don't go up and down and all around like they do in Vegas and other areas, but the rents are very, very, very steady. And, you know, that's what's important. So I yeah, love that. Yeah. It's a very rent type city, right? There's a lot of people yeah. that rent there. I, I can't remember. I think it's like 70% or something people that, yeah. that rent. It's, it's high. There was also a lot of 
the smaller multifamily stuff that I was looking at here in Vegas. Right, not the big stuff. Yeah, just a little two or four unit or five um, unit yeah. or something yeah, like that. Was, yeah. Well, that was yeah, there was twenty thirty units. Yeah, oh, wow, but it was, way to way yeah. to jump in with both well, feet. Well, well, that's what I was looking at. That's what I was looking at. That's what <laughs> right. I wanted to buy. Yeah. But I ended up buying six units, which was Perfect. much more. I was telling the broker I only want something fifteen plus units. And he sent me a six unit one day. I was like, hey, this is, I know you're looking for 15 plus units, but this is a great deal. This is in a great area. It's up and coming. This landlord hasn't taken care of the place. You might have to spend 10, 15,000 per unit. But once it's fixed up, you know, there's a property down the street that's selling for 500 and they were asking 300 for this one. Yeah, I was going to ask you, so what kind of steel did you get on a six unit in Cincinnati? Yeah, well, I paid 300 for it. So That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, so it was pretty good considering the area I was. Now, a lot of areas in Cincinnati, you can get stuff for 30, 35 units. Now, it's in not a great area, but you can get, you know. Yeah. Pretty low price stuff there, but this was in a great area. It was, you know, tree lined streets, like kind of on the river. Oh, wow. Five, 10 minutes from downtown Cincinnati. And this area as well was kind of changing for the better. You know, a lot of young professionals mm-hmm. coming there, coffee shops, breweries, that type of stuff that was yeah. all over the place. So I got it for that. And, you know, I didn't have to do too much analyzing because, you know, I knew that this other property that was very similar down the street that was selling for 500. So I knew 300 purchase price. I'm not going to probably put in more than a hundred into it. Right. And then right. even, you know, all in for 400 and I can sell it for 500. That was kind of the quick analysis that I did on it. Right. And obviously I, I dove into numbers a little bit more, but I made the offer and we, we got accepted at list price. And That's so I did, awesome. you know, started analyzing the air and realized, wow, there's a lot of room for actually for rents. Rents were about average on the, the six units were about 525. Yeah, each unit. So that yeah, so that's a good return because just half of the units make the payment. So you went in by yourself. Did you do traditional financing or did you do some creative stuff to get in there to be able to have the money to be able to do the improvements? Yeah, no, I wish I wish I would have done something a little bit different, but I just did traditional. I put 20% down, yeah. did it through US Bank. Yeah. So it was a little bit challenging financing because there's a few things with so this is even though it's six only only six units, it's considered commercial. Five right. Units. right. So it's not traditional financing. Yeah, yeah. It definitely goes into the multifamily world. Yeah. Yeah. So so it, it can be a little bit more challenging. So there's more a little bit more that they look at, right? Yeah. In terms of that, you know, they want, ideally they want you to have a track record. A lot of times they want you to be where that property is. So I was in Vegas and this property is Cincinnati, right? So other side of the country, pretty much. So I was having challenges talking to local banks in Cincinnati because, you know, those were the ideal candidates for this type of loan, but right. they wanted you right. to either live there or to own property in that area. Yeah. I didn't have either. So I came across US Bank and mm-hmm. They need you to have what they call a footprint. So either live there or have a property there. But because they have a US bank here in Las Vegas, if I was to open an account with them here in Vegas, that essentially counted as me having a footprint in Cincinnati. So that's how we got around. So I got just 20% down. But like you said, I wish I would have, I'm sure I could have got a loan to long to cost, right? Long yeah. to, you know, would have included yeah. the renovation. Purchase and rem- well, yeah, purchase and remodel or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah because obviously I'm going to end up putting, you know, $100,000 of my own money. And if I could have leveraged that 
I'm putting, yeah. you know, only put in. It wouldn't have taken so much. Yeah. And it wouldn't have taken so long or you wouldn't have had to leverage other things in your life in order to be able to do that. Yeah. Did you yeah, um, and have the as well to use that money for other stuff as well? Yeah. Now that money is yeah. But it's, which is great. It's going to, you know, that I think that property is actually now worth closer to six fifty, seven hundred, maybe That's because awesome. I've, been, I've been able to push rents. Initially, I thought that I would get 800 for the two, for the one bed and a thousand for the two, but I'm getting 1250, 1300 for the two. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 950 for the one. So I'm pushing rents. Yeah, well, rents have gone. I mean, that's what happens. Rents have gone up and they'll probably go up even further now, you know, with with so many people being out, you know, not being able to keep their homes and stuff like that. Now there's going to be a demand for rent. Let's hope, right? In that market. Because even though rates are really great and they're very low and and all that good stuff, there are people that still can't qualify for them. So how many do you own now? How many multifamilies do you own now? Yeah, it's still currently at six. So I bought that in January of... 2020. So that probably. Oh, there you go. Okay. So, yeah. So you have that one. And so that's your one property that you own right now. And yeah, I sold everything else because I wanted to be in, in multifamily. So yeah. I, I thought it would be a lot further along, but COVID kind of slowed everything down. And, yeah. and there was a few other things that got in the way. Yeah. But yeah, definitely looking at. You yeah, know, 20 to 50 units. In and I know you're working on, yeah, working on a couple of deals now too. So, and I think that's good that you're continuing to go forward and, you know, and it is one of those things where, you know, people that are in the industry of, you know, real estate and mortgage and stuff like that, that I find that they don't even buy their own properties. So I think it's wonderful that you took that, you know, that step in moving in to do that. And, and, you know, it's really a great story in how you, it really is a rich dad, poor dad story. It's like sort of a rags to riches. And of course I know the rich dad, you and I both have been in rich dad, poor dad training. So we both know the, the whole process, but you know, I do, I do like, and, and I shouldn't say rags to riches, but just more that, you know, down and out. And what do I do? And making that shift and that pivot to say, you know, let me look at something totally new, go out of my way. And, you know, I can't identify with what I was from a success perspective anymore. And so now what do I do with myself? And, you know, taking those actions, you know, super powerful. So many people can get just blocked down by getting punched so many times. And I love that you have said, you know what, I'm going to make a difference in people's lives by buying these types of properties. So they have a home to live in, I'm going to take care of my family, you know, and that's what I was dealt. Right. And so those opportunities will continue to come your way. I'm positive of it just because you're so open to having it. Yeah. I think you touched on something there that's that's really interesting is that, you know, we were talking about this. I'm surprised how many people in the real estate industry don't invest, right? Like you said, people that work in the lending industry, brokers, right? Agents, right? They mm-hmm. they have an unfair advantage over everyone, right? They're in the job every day. They understand everything that goes around in it, right? And I'm sure they, you know, you have connections, you access to more deals, right? Stuff comes your way. And I'm surprised that more people don't invest in it. And going back to my story, the reason I'm surprised is that I wish more people would is because first time around, right? I talked about when WWE didn't renew my contract, right? That was like, the world fell apart for me like that because I didn't know what I was going to do next. I had no plan B. I had nothing sort of lined up. I didn't know what I was going to do. Well, fast forward to March 9th of 2020, right? When the world kind of fell apart again due to COVID, right? And Cirque du Soleil said, hey, we're not doing shows. And Here we go again. Yeah, here we go again, right? But it was a hugely contrasting feeling for me. Like, and yeah. like if I, I guess my message to a lot of people is to have a plan B because that second time round to me, right? I had real estate and I didn't have a ton of real estate. I had some investments. So I had that six units and I had a few things here and there going on with other people as well at the time. 
when Sipsis Lee said, hey, we, we're closing down and who knows when we're starting again, I was really relaxed. I didn't yeah. have that panic. I didn't have that stress. I said, okay, cool. I'll go home and- Yay, now I can focus my efforts in this arena, right? Exactly. And, and I had the it, tools I, at that time to be more creative, you know, to be able to pull people in. So, yeah. Yeah, I had that income coming in that, what wasn't quite enough to cover my expenses, but it was close. And like you said, more than anything, I had that knowledge and that understanding of yeah. real estate that I can go out and create whatever I want from here. And just having that, it's two things to me is one, if you can create that passive income, great. So that, you know, you can supplement your lifestyle and it can supplement tough times if that comes up, but also having that knowledge of real estate, real estate's not going anywhere, right? Let's be honest, right? In the world of technology, real estate's not going anywhere, no. right? Yeah. So if you have that knowledge and that understanding of real estate, then you can go after it, right? It doesn't matter what happens. You have that knowledge. That's always there, right? If I was to have to start from scratch tomorrow and I never want that to happen. No, no. You have the knowledge to duplicate, yeah. But that would be fine. I would, you know, I know I could really hustle, go after real estate, make stuff happen, do whatever it takes with real estate. And this real estate is so flexible as well. It's unbelievably flexible. You know, that's that's what's huge to me. And that's why I wish more people would be open to investing in real estate and and going down that path. Because Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I mean, anybody who is, you know, ultimately successful, I mean, when you look at like the big, big, big successful, like Robert Kiyosaki, right? And you're and Warren Buffett and that and Kevin Harrington. When you look at those kind of people, it's like, why is everything they touch go to go, you know, turn to gold? Because they learned the system. They learned how to apply the same resources, tools, and experience and knowledge into any form of their life. And that's exactly what you're saying is, you know, when life happens, just be prepared, be prepared for something, you know, to help you. So I absolutely love that. Well, Barry, it's been fantastic talking to you again. I'm so excited, you know, to know you. And I'm excited also for you to be on one of my stages coming up soon, as soon as we have some real work and we get born free, you know, to have you be on one of my stages and hopefully I'll have an event in Vegas. So it'll be easy for you to pop over and, you know, share your story with the people that I'm coaching and and teaching. And, but I just look forward to a real long relationship with you and can't wait to meet your wife and your new baby. And, (laughs) and I love your dog. I love your dog. I want to meet your dog. Yeah. But just don't, but make sure you bring your kids to, you know, your child and your wife too, but I, but I really want to meet your dog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I want to meet Hulk in person, but no, I'm real excited to have you as part of my world and part of my life. And, you know, I just wish you all the best as you continue to go forward and, you know, just remind you that I'm here for you. You know, I'm here for you in any way that I can help you. I'm here to help. So thank you so much for being a guest on my show. It was just an absolute pleasure. Thank you. And I'm so happy that we connected. So happy that we got to talk. So happy that we're going to continue this relationship and get to know each other and get to meet in person. That's the strange thing. I mean, I know you already. I know you already, but we've never met. Well, I know you were. I think you told my husband a few minutes ago, you're six, six. So I'm only five, four. (laughs) Hi, Barry. (laughs) I'll be definitely looking up. I'm just a little short thing, but it'll be exciting. It will be very, very exciting to meet you. So best wishes to you and your family and to the success that you have. And again, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence and giving us some some tidbits and some knowledge in life and how we can continue to move forward personally and professionally. Thank you so much. Pleasure was all mine. Absolutely. You've been listening to Success to Significance with Jen Duplessis, the number one podcast for people wanting to give more value and make an impact. Loved this episode? Be sure to subscribe right now at www.jenduplessis.com slash S2S for more stories, strategies, 
and thoughts to help you gain significance and success. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Join us next week for another breakthrough episode. Thank you for listening. The more hands you shake, the more money you make. Get your mini website and smart business card. One unique C card with unlimited possibilities that brings you new contracts, new clients, and the money you deserve. In this lifetime deal, be one of the first to get all the current and future functions for the one-time investment of only $299. No tech skills required. We take care of every step for you. Great concierge service and lifetime support. Don't risk losing your only chance. Take action today. It's time to ditch the paper business card. Don't wait. Go to getccard.com.